You are listening to the Daily Homily for Magdala in the Holy Land. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the infant leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, cried out in a loud voice and said, Most blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how does this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For at the moment the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the infant in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed are you who believed that what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. And Mary said, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. From this day, all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Yesterday in the daily Mass, we celebrated the Twelve Apostles, and it's nice that we have this mention of them again now. And the last two on the list, Simon the Zealot and Judas, son of James, St. Jude, Judas Thaddeus, these are the two we celebrated yesterday, Simon and Jude. And so here we have them gathered on the day, on the time before Pentecost, in the upper room, waiting for the Holy Spirit. And they're praying with Mary, the mother of Jesus. And this is what we're doing today. There's a Calvary that's still ongoing. And God's people come together in prayer with Mary, the mother of Jesus. There must be hundreds, if not thousands, of videos in the internet right now, they're having many views explaining the history of the problems, political conflict problems in the Holy Land. And there would be many different angles. There's a line in St. Paul's letters, I don't remember exactly right now, maybe it's in Romans, but he said this conflict is not a conflict between just forces on earth. This is a heavenly conflict, a spiritual conflict, where the forces of good and evil are at combat. And this idea is not new. Paul's comment precedes the book of Revelation clearly, which is probably the, the last book of the New Testament. And therefore, uh, the thought was already present very clearly, very clearly and in a very defined way, expressed in a very defined way. Why do we always call for prayer? Because it's not just material forces that are at work. There's that famous, almost proverbial 
question that Stalin, I think it was, asked, or maybe it was a successor of his, how many uh, battalions and warships does the Vatican have? Because somebody raised the question that they should pay attention to the reactions from the Vatican if he were to do some major military annexation. And so he misunderstood the point completely because the issue was the moral authority. It's not just physical weapons that are at work in our days all over the world in so many conflicts and also especially here, this new conflict here that's not yet one month old. And hopefully it will resolve before it becomes a month and that's why we come together in prayer. And there's the red dragon in the sky going to attack the woman who is pregnant. And this harks back to the dawn of salvation history with the fall of Satan and the misleading of our first parents in Eden. The scripture writers had such clarity about the conflict, the human conflict Cain killing Abel. It starts off with the serpent, with the evil one, the temptation. And we cannot leave this part out of the equation. The Christian worldview includes these lines that are clearly present in the thinking of the people at the time of the Second Temple, at the time of Jesus. And Paul is expressing this with great clarity. And it's a battle not of physical forces. Before Pilate, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. I am a king. But my kingdom is not of this world. It's in this world. Kingdom is among you. This is one of the strongest messages Jesus hit right here at the Sea of Galilee so frequently. The kingdom is already among you. But it's not a kingdom of politicians and armies and lobby groups and interest groups. It's another level. And that's why Jesus spent the nights in prayer, not just going out teaching and doing miracles to fix sicknesses. There's a much deeper malaise in the human heart and soul and mind and relationships. And that's why we need prayer. We need to come back to prayer. It is so important. There was a wonderful line in the opening prayer of the, for this Mass. We're interceding that through the mystery of redemption, God's people can be defended from every evil. And one evil is horrendous, brutal, barbaric attacks and all types of destruction that constitutes war. But there are also other evils that attack us. Last night, I had a marvelous conversation with some people who have been displaced from their homes. And these are Jewish people who told me that they are accused of having been wrong 
because these concrete people are part of a major portion of the population here who really wants and advocates understanding and peace with all the inhabitants of the land. And people are now throwing it back at them and saying, look what happened. How could you trust these people? And on a first impression, and with all the media coverage, we might almost consent with the critique, but we cannot forfeit and leave our faith in the mystery of salvation, in the triumph of faith, of hope, and of love. This is impossible. And therefore, it is impossible for a disciple of Jesus especially. We also have to keep in mind that we have an incredible blessing that our Savior forgave his enemies while dying on the cross, slaughtered by them. And this change, this is where we see the spiritual battle. Some were more powerful with scourges and crowns of thorns and a cross and nails and hammers and military power, but the battle that was won was very different. Jesus went through this suffering and he conquered hatred. He opened a new beachhead that hatred does not have to be the position of the soul in front of the onslaught of evil in our lives. We can hate evil and we should. And unfortunately in much of the uh, entertainment people see today, much of the news they entertain, it's the delivery of hatred into our souls and the delivery of the degradation of the human person. And once we, de <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> once we offend human dignity in any of its dimensions, we open the door for violence. And so our society needs a complete renewal from the ground up. And these grandparents were not wrong to have advocated love. These grandparents need encouragement, but not just verbal encouragement from people who can give them a little encouragement with the beautiful grandchildren they have and how well behaved they are. They have to continue teaching love, even if it's a minority who believes in that, even if it's just one, like on Calvary, or two or three or four. And we turn to Mary because Jesus said to John, behold your mother, because she was 100%, do whatever he tells you. She carried him in her womb like the Ark of the Covenant. The, the, the Ark of the Covenant originally in biblical times <clears throat> was very special memory, symbol, presence of God's covenant with his people. But that covenant became, came to a whole different level when the eternal word of God became flesh in her womb. And the bond of human nature and divine nature became inextricable and undetachable. Forever, this bond with God and humanity. God wants to save humanity. He will save humanity. He's in the work of saving humanity. And that's where we've got to be. And we can look at this simple, humble, modest, meek presence of a mother who is aging at Calvary, watching her son being crucified. Again today. 
Whatever you did to the least of these, you did to me. So that's why we need to pray. And even maybe it sounds repetitive, but we need to pray. We need to be on our knees imploring mercy that evil will not conquer hearts, that hatred and violence will not conquer hearts and minds, that at least some families will teach their children and their grandchildren to hold the torch high. It's enough for one candle in a dark room to give us orientation. Let us pray for this is what the martyrs did. This is what Maximilian Kolbe did in Auschwitz, laying down his life when tens of thousands were being obliterated and one person laid down his life to relieve another soldier. It's opened, it's lit the torch of light, a little matchstick of light in the midst of the vast, intense, impenetrable darkness, but it was not impenetrable because the dragon was defeated. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to learn more about Magdala, follow us on YouTube and on Facebook.